Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, Father Scott Trainer will be back with us to do a little mid-Lent check-in. We're going to talk about the six moments of repentance, and he's going to connect those to the uh, prodigal son. And Dr. Chris Bergwall is here with us today for Biblical Bites, and he is apparently going to talk about the prodigal son too, because it just so happens to be the gospel. And I, I swear to you, when I had Father Scott come on, we didn't know for sure what Sunday it was going to run. And I didn't realize it was this Sunday that we did Biblical Son. We saved the biblical stuff for Biblical Bites. I know. That's why we call the show Biblical Bites I know. with Dr. B. So I, I failed. Can't. No, that was... So I, hopefully you will have... I know you will have some different information from Father yeah. Scott. And you may touch on a few similar things, but... They're just coming from a different perspective. You so can't it's ever be get awesome. enough too much scripture anyway. Let's Especially be the prodigal stuff. And, and to be honest, I, because I, I, I knew that you had recorded that. We, mm-hmm. we, that's uh, been talked about. Father Scott had uh, given a talk to the staff recently uh, in which yeah. he used that. Uh, so I knew it was the coming and I was preparing for it today. I'm like, I, is this possibly <laughs> the, the... Well, he was supposed to run last weekend uh, and then it ended up getting pushed to this divine weekend. Prop. Well, which is, it, it's, yes. it's awesome because yeah. that's the what people are hearing yep. at Mass. Yep. It'll be a really good one. Speaking of this Sunday at Mass, Renee, what is this Sunday? Well, it must be the fourth Sunday of Lent. A.K.A. Right? Halfway through. <laughs> right, yeah, Bill? That's the no. technical no. term, halfway through. No. Uh, oh. Bill? Prodigal Son weekend, apparently. <laughs> Not Prodigal Son weekend. Well, I, I'm, thinking Lada, uh, mm. I'm thinking the one in Advent, I think. Nope. No. Oh, am I? Not? Nope. Okay. Laudate? Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> now, See? Now you, <laughs> no, Gaudete, I wrecked it. Latari. 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 Latari is in Lent. Gaudete Sunday is in there. Advent. See, I was combining the, the two. Lay halfway through. Lay, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete. The fourth Sunday of Lent, Latari. Um, so your priest today may have wear, worn rosacea oh, vestments. Rosacea. Mm. <laughs> oh, rose. Certainly not rose. Definitely not pink. <laughs> Um, so it, it, and the, that's because the entrance antiphon rejoice Jerusalem, rejoice Latari Latin for mm-hmm. rejoice, rejoice Jerusalem and all who love her be joyful. All who are in mourning exult and be satisfied at her consoling breast. So we're, we're, it is kind of halfway yeah, through. Roughly. So that's yeah. why, uh, why we have the rosacea vestments. Um, but yeah, I do want to focus on. Uh, this this just well known mm-hmm. parable, and and so I know that Father is going to touch on a number of things that we might overlap a little bit, but I just want to start with the the reality. This is just a powerful, vivid story that Jesus uses to make a point mm-hmm. about mercy and forgiveness. But it's so powerful and so vivid. Sometimes we forget it's just a story. Right. There wasn't actually. Uh, uh, two brothers and a father, and the younger brother did all these things that right. we read about. Um, it's it's not a historical account. It's a story that Jesus uses to make a point yeah. about repentance mm-hmm. and God's mercy and forgiveness and his his readiness to forgive us. And it kind of reflects all of us. Absolutely. Like it could be about any one of us right. could be in any of those spots at right. any and, times and of our life. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah. Any times of any time of our life. So just a couple points that I want to address. Um, just as, as maybe you've heard the reading already, uh, maybe you will hear it, whatever. Um, early on, the it starts with um, the man has two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. And I remember I've heard this parable how many times mm-hmm. in the course of my life, uh, but it was well into my my theology studies that somebody made the point, 
what the younger son is saying here is basically, dad, you're dead to me. Because you don't get, think about it. Basically, can I have my inheritance yeah. now? Well, the implication, when we get your inheritance, right. when your parents pass away. Yeah. I'm thinking Bill would feel pretty, pretty bad if his youngest son came to him and said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's, What? laughs> yeah. Well, this whole time I'm thinking this whole story is like geared towards the older sibling because that's pretty much how it feels. Right. As but it's old, really like, the younger son. Yeah. 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 So the reality of, of the depth of where the son is at, mm-hmm. I think like that's a, yeah. you, you're dead to me. Yeah. Um, so the father gives him, I, how does he come up with the money? Actually? He's still around. Yeah. He, he still got his, estate. because it doesn't save that he sold anything. Right. 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 So whatever. So the son, and then things go bad. Um, and uh, he hired himself out, we read later on, to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. Mm-hmm. So, oh, he's a farm, hired or hired hand, farm, da, da, da. But for Jesus's audience at the time when he told this, um, his Jewish, Jesus's Jewish brothers and sisters, his Jewish people who had been, would have been hearing this, they would have, oh, swine. Pigs. Like the lowest of the low you do thing not, on earth, because because yeah. you're ritually impure mm-hmm. to touch a pig, and that's ex- that that's what hap- this young man, he's working with pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have longed to eat what the pigs would have eaten, but nobody gave him anything. And then coming to his senses, so that call to wake up, and I think Father Scott's probably going to talk about this. So I just, but we're called to be a we're called to come into our senses. How many of us living our lives? are just going with the flow. Right, right. Wake up to the Father's love and mercy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot mm-hmm. more that Father's going to say about that. Yep. The last thing I want to say, just in a little bit of time, the older brother. Because I think as, you know, a lot of us, well, that darn older brother, like he, I mean, well, what we're empathetic He's kind of unhappy. We, we, yeah, he's unhappy. <laughs> we, we sympathize with him. But the problem with the older brother is that he views himself in his relationship with the Father as if he's simply one of the, the help as well. Right. Um, I've worked for you. I've all done all these things. I've served you. Never did I disobey you. But he himself needs to receive the Father's love and mercy as well. So whether we're away or we're there, but not we're present, let's receive the Father's mercy like these brothers. Yep. Thanks for that, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today is Father Scott Trainer. He has come back. We're about halfway through Lent. Ooh. So, yes, I can't believe it's already halfway through Lent. Time flies. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but um, he's coming to talk to us about um, the six moments of repentance, which I had never heard of. Um, <clears throat> so welcome, Father Scott. Thanks, Renee. So great to be with you. Yeah. So he, he, uh, Father Scott had given a talk for um, some of us here at the Chancery. We do like a uh, book study or something. I think it was a staff book study. Formation. Was it? Yeah, staff formation. Ongoing formation. And he talked about these six moments of repentance. And I was like, I've never heard of this. This is genius. Did you make this up? Mm-hmm. Did you really? Well, I mean. Well, not make it up. You in, put it together. Yes. Okay. <laughs> God made it up. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so great. And so I said, you know, I think you need to come on Catholic Views so we can tell everybody, well, everybody who listens to Catholic Views about it. So 10 people. Thank you, 10 people. You're awesome. <laughs> 150. Oh, no. So, Father Scott, will you... Okay, so what I want to know first is, what is this and where did it come from? Now I know it didn't come from like uh, the Bible. Right. (laughs) So what is it and where did it come from? So first of all, um, you know, everyone knows that uh, Lent is a a particular time of focus where we're called to greater repentance, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And I think the first foundation is uh, repentance is very much at the central center of Jesus's teaching and ministry. So John the Baptist preparing for Jesus called people to repentance. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he went preaching, the first words out of his mouth were repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he commissioned the 12 and then the 72 to go out two by two, he said, go to each town and village and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand for Mm -hmm. you. So repentance is very, very much, while it's kind of like got a, I would say somewhat of a negative connotation in our culture today. Like if I'm saying, hey, Renee, repent, you're like, Stop judging. Judge your judge is going to judge. You know, I'm going to do me. Yeah. (laughs) And don't impose your morality on me. But in fact, uh, the call to repentance is a, uh, like everything God does is an invitation of love for our benefit Mm -hmm. because God loves us and desires our greatest good. So that's the foundation. And, you know, I lead a lot of retreats and when you lead retreats, you're going to start talking about God's love. And actually as a person experiences a growth of God's love in their heart, the next natural thing that happens is a greater awareness of sin, which comes always mm-hmm. with a grace, if it's fueled by love, of uh, growing repentance. Right. So it's just really important at the center of our Christian life. And uh, I just find, you know, the uh, the prodigal son, which is what this, these six points are drawn from, right. the parable of the prodigal son, is sort of the gold standard of, it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this teaching of Jesus, of the Father's merciful love and the possibility of repentance and restoration. So it's just an unpacking. Everyone kind of knows repentance is, oh, I turn away from sin and I turn back to God. Right. That's what you yeah, always hear about repentance. Terms, yeah. yes. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. That's right. really true. But I think it's helpful to look at uh, some kind of a breakdown of some more high definition individual moments of repentance that lead to a fuller repentance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's a way of entering more fully into the grace or blessing that God has as he calls us to repentance in his love for us. Yeah. So I'm going to be a bad Catholic for a second, <laughs> just a second. And then I'll be totally awesome from there on out. Um, <clears throat> is the prodigal son read during Lent? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, in the, ma- in the readings like of Mass. Like always? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so for, our, uh, for our listeners and viewers— um, you know, there's the Sunday mass cycle, uh, the Sunday mass readings mm-hmm. are on a three year cycle, years right. A, B and C, the daily mass readings Monday through Saturday are on a two year cycle. Okay. And, uh, on Sundays, the first and second and third reading are chosen to go together as a group Right. during the weekdays. Uh, there's just continuous readings, oh, uh, right. from whatever book we're working through. It's mm-hmm. not like the first readings picked to go with the gospel intentionally. Um, but during the strong seasons of Advent and Lent and Christmas and Easter, there's a whole other thing that's going on mm-hmm. where, so like for each day of Lent, there are specific readings for that day. Right. So yes, we always hear the prodigal son during Lent. I actually, I think a couple times. Okay. Okay, good. I thought we did, but I wasn't sure. And I didn't want to assume. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <clears throat> so let's go through these. Um, so the first one is well, maybe I should just let you start because maybe yeah. I don't want to read them first. Maybe you want to intro. Maybe you want to ease into it. So I'll let you go. So I'll just I'll just take. So if yeah. you're uh, if you're following along at home and you have a a Bible handy, the the parable of the prodigal son is in Luke chapter 15 and it starts in verse 11. So Jesus tells the story about a man who had two sons, and the younger son says, "Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me." And just to feel the the beauty of this parable. Um, that's basically like telling dad to drop dead. Right. You know, normally I would receive my inheritance when he dies mm-hmm. and the son's like, you know, dad, you're just kind of in my way because you're still living. Mm-hmm. Can I just have my inheritance now? Yeah. Like, get out of my way. I really man. want your stuff. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's just, it's really rough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really rough. They had to hurt the father. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so the father, in fact, 
takes that occasion and he divides his belongings between the two sons. And a few days later, the younger son, we read, collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. Mm -hmm. So he's alienated from his family. He's in a, he's a foreigner in a foreign land and he's living a life of diminishment mm -hmm. and low estate. And then Jesus, especially for his Jewish audience, paints this exquisite picture of how low his life of dissipation had led to him. It says, um, when he had freely spent everything, so he's broke again, mm -hmm. uh, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hires himself out to the local citizen who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. Right. So, you know, in uh, for uh, Jewish people, uh, the pig is a, uh, a ritually impure animal. Mm -hmm. If you're around a pig or they, they don't eat pork, right. uh, religiously observant Jewish people do not, also in the day of Jesus. And if you're around pigs, you can't go to temple before you are ritually cleansed. Right. It's all those uh, purity laws. Mm -hmm. So pig, this is like low estate. <laughs> Foreign country, cut off you from your family, squandered your inheritance, uh, and now you're working with the pigs? Yeah. Probably and the even, only way to get lower would be a leper yourself, perhaps. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But even the lepers could hang. They weren't in a foreign country. They That's just had true. to stay outside That's the village. True. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, anyways. But the, yeah. So, low estate. And then, it, we Jesus in painting this picture says, he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but no one gave him any. So not only is he working with pigs, but he's starving to death and he's like craving the pig food. <laughs> like this is a low and base place right. that this younger prodigal son has come to. Right. So here, so that's the sin. That's the pulling away from love. That's doing damage to others, refusing to love his honor, his father, et cetera, et cetera. Leads him to this low estate. And then here comes the graces of repentance. And I'll just kind of go through these in order. Yeah. The first moment of the grace of repentance is actually to become aware of the pain that my sin is causing. Mm -hmm. So just for example, if I, if I, for some reason, don't have a sense of touch in my hand and my hand's resting on a hot burner mm -hmm. and damage is being done to it, the fact that I can't feel that pain for whatever reason, that's not a gift. Right. Right. That's a bad thing. Right. <clears throat> and it's a much better for, thing for me if I can actually feel the pain of that and snatch my hand away. Right. So I stop doing the damage. Right. So in fact, we become accustomed to our sin, which is doing damage to us and leading us to greater misery. And But we become numb to it. We become accustomed to it. Mm -hmm. So the first grace of repentance is actually to be like, ow, that is causing me hurt hurt or right. pain or damage. Right. And I don't want that anymore. Yeah. Okay. So the first moment of grace in the grace of repentance is to actually to feel the pain or to become awake to the pain. So in the parable, this is in verse 17, coming to his senses, <laughs> he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying from hunger. Right. This is I'm in an awful state. Mm -hmm. it, step one, admit. Right, okay? right. And so there's that grace. <laughs> that you the, have a problem. <laughs> in the parable. And then that gives rise to the second moment of repentance, which often falls right on the heels of actually being alert and conscious of the pain, which is an awakening to a desire for something better. Right. A desire for something better. So he says, he wonders, how many of my father's hired hand workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying from hunger. I shall go. Get up and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. So he has this desire like, you know, what's what would be better than this? 
is actually being treated as one of my father's hired mm-hmm. servants. Mm-hmm. And he wants that. Yeah. So that desire is awakened in his heart. And that desire is fueled by the awareness of the misery right. that he's in. Right. Okay. Okay. Then uh, number three, uh, as he's imagining going to his father, like he's coming up with this plan, I shall go to my father and I'll say to him this, and maybe he'll take me back as one of his hired hands. There has to be some hope. Hope that the father, who is, you know, uh, an image of God the father in this parable, mm-hmm. uh, that, the, that God it will, is capable of, and will provide the better thing that I desire. Right. All right. That he's, he's able to do that, and he's willing to do mm-hmm. that. So the son in this parable has some of that hope, despite having told his dad basically to drop dead. <laughs> uh, he's hopeful mm-hmm. that not only the father is capable of treating him like one of his hired hands, but would be willing to do yeah. so. I think, and this whole thing would be cut off if he didn't have that hope. Right. It's a distinct moment of this repentance is like this hope. Hmm. I believe, I hope, I trust that he will and can provide the better thing. Right. I feel like there's two two spots in here where sometimes it's hard for us as human beings to actually embrace them. And this is one of them where we're thinking that God will do this because in our experience as human beings with everything around us, that's not what we experience right. necessarily. Right. And that's the one person. Yeah. God, who who will always yeah. do that. And hopefully we and everyone who's listening or seeing us today um, has heard a lot about the truth of God's unconditional love right. for us. And I think sometimes people can hear that and like, oh, that's nice. It's kind of <laughs> sweet. Isn't that, Great. God, isn't that nice? But actually the fact that God's love for me is unconditional is really kind of demanding. Yeah. And like, like, Will he do this? Like, cause I, just like you said, I can learn from my human experience. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's going to go so well. Right. I mean, I really burnt that bridge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but the, God does not think like human beings does. Mm-hmm. His, his love is truly unconditional and we're not accustomed to experiencing mm-hmm. that in most of our relationships. Yeah. Thank goodness. Amen. <laughs> well, thank goodness, thank goodness that goodness it's God. He, yes. Yeah. I said that at the wrong moment. Please God. Sorry. That <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have the three. I'm, I'm alert to the pain. I wake mm-hmm. into the pain. I'm not numb to it anymore. That gives rise to a desire for something better. That desire is paired with thirdly hope that God can and will provide the better thing. And then uh, he actually goes to the father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you actually have to get up and go and ask for the forgiveness, yep. right? This is confession. This, yes. For, <laughs> in the Catholic world, we are blessed with this beautiful yes. sacrament of confession. And that's what we do. We go there and we admit our sin. Mm-hmm. And that um, it can be challenging for people. People be afraid of that. But again, I think most of my fear and apprehension is really like, uh, put projecting onto God, either my own attitudes or attitudes mm-hmm. I perceive from other people. Like, right. what if they get really angry? <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, but God's love is truly unconditional mm-hmm. as we'll see further on in the parable. Right. Anyways. So he actually goes to the father and asks the forgiveness. So, uh, not only does he plan in hope, I shall get up and go to my father and I shall say to him these things. Um, in verse 20, so he got up and went back to his father. Yep. That's that fourth moment. <laughs> and we hear that the father saw him a long way off and ran to his son. And the son starts into this explanation. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, admitting his sin, having gone to the father and admitting his sin and asking for forgiveness. And then asking in hope for this grace. I no longer deserve to be called your son, but uh, I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father like cuts him off in the middle of this uh-huh. asking for forgiveness. And he says to the servants, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
and take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. So mm-hmm. the sandal, the robes, and the rings, these are signs of his dignity as a son of the father, okay. right? Okay. So yeah. this is a moment of restoration for what was squandered in his rejection of the father and then his life of dissipation, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And that's another moment of repentance. Yeah. And I would say for any of our listeners who are like regularly go to confession, they go to confession every month. I go to confession every two weeks. Uh, if you're in that habit, this is where this may become a little unfamiliar. We might be realizing, like, yeah, I really don't like my sin. I really do want something better. I do have this trust and confidence mm-hmm. in God. I do go to God and ask for the forgiveness. And then this is where I think it becomes a little more challenging for people who yes. are frequent. Like, do I really allow God to totally restore me? Right. Yep. And this is important because as a in terms of the fullness of repentance, um, the son either exteriorly, he could have refused, like, no, I you can't put that robe on me because I'm not your son. I'm I can only be your servant. Right. You gotta treat me like a hired worker. I, I can't be your son. He could stand in that self-condemnation and not really allow the father to restore mm-hmm. everything. But Jesus said um in Luke chapter four, when he begins his uh public ministry, he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It says the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to cap uh, to proclaim liberty to captives, good news to the poor, uh, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim a year of favor from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that phrase in Luke four is the jubilee year. Okay. And in the jubilee year in the Old Testament, everything that was lost through foolishness or that was taken or that was just uh, lost through mishap, like natural disaster or something, was restored. Oh, wow. The Jubilee year is a year of total restoration. It was once every 50 years. Like the Sabbath day, every seven days oh, right. is a day of restoration okay. yeah. for that week. Every seventh year was a jubil- uh, was a Sabbath year, <laughs> okay? okay, where you didn't uh, plant your fields, for example, in oh the seventh gosh. year to let them rest and <laughs> okay. be restored. Sure. And then in the Sabbath of Sabbath years, um, so 49 years, the 50th year was the grand jubilee of total restoration of all things that wow. were lost or taken or squandered. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> amazing. I've okay. never, yeah, I've never heard that. <laughs> so the fullness of restoration and the, that's a grace of repentance. I have to actually receive that. Yeah. And then finally, uh, this has been a reflection of mine for the last couple of years with this beautiful parable, you know, the son or the father saw his son a long way off and ran to him. Yeah. That's the most stunning part of the story to me. I have to say is the father the, yeah. picturing God running to us, uh, is, is just really stunning. Right. And scriptures scholars tell us like in a, in a an elder was never seen running. Right. It, let alone to the son who had publicly humiliated and disgraced the family right. by rejecting the right. father. So God so, is like no other gods we've ever heard of gods I mean, we've heard of right. before. <laughs> and so when you're stunned by that, yeah. Jesus's audience is like, yeah. Right. Cause, and I heard another scripture scholar saying that this was a familiar parable and often Jesus took familiar parables that rabbis would teach, but he had a twist mm-hmm. and everyone's expecting for this father to say, you know, you are not my son. You are a no name. You have no inheritance wow. and to like return the disinheritance. Mm-hmm. Right. And that not only is that not what happens, but the father runs to him with this gracious restoration and everything. It's mm-hmm. just his audience is like, what? <laughs> Last thing on earth, like total left turn in what they thought this, because they're like, oh yeah, we know where the story goes. Right, right. And then, what? No, that is not where the story goes. And he's <laughs> revealing to us the nature of God the Father. Right. Which is beautiful and astonishing. Right. Okay. So the son allows himself to be restored, but this, you know, the robe and the ring and the sandals, they were still a long ways from the house. Mm-hmm. 
And so this last moment of repentance, the sixth moment of like, there's a long walk back to the house. And the only thing that's in the father's heart as we hear in the parable is we need to celebrate. Mm -hmm. The father is full of joy because his son was lost and has been found, was dead and has returned to life. And there's no, what's not in the father's heart. Like, okay, listen, you can sleep here tonight, but tomorrow morning, young man, we are going to have a a real talking to. There's none of that. There's none of the condemnation. There's none of the uh, scorn. There's none of the disappointment. No shadow of it. Right. There's just joy in the father's heart in this unconditional love that my, because what do I desire in love? Union with my beloved. My son has returned. This fills my heart with joy. And the last moment of repentance is, will the younger son allow himself to be caught up into the father's joy? Right. Not only is the father willing to put up with this or tolerate this, but in fact, he longs for the total restoration and to- the total restoration when it's received, like that's the joy of the father's mm-hmm. heart. <laughs> I, I think it's real. We, we are not very good. Yeah. Us. We're not very yeah. good at accepting that. Right. I think, and, and entering into that. I'm, I know I'm not because right. you just really feel, I don't know. You feel you feel good when you come out of confession, but that's another step. It's a whole other thing. Yes. The restoration and the entering into joy. Again, for regular confession goers, I think those are like, oh wow. Yeah. I I would assure you, like, that there's more to be received in those particular moments of repentance for every last one of us. Yeah. And the reason, again, I like to talk about this kind of these six moments. So I feel the pain. Um, I desire something better. I hope that God can and will provide something better. Number four, I actually go to the Father and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Number five, I receive the restoration he gives. And number six, I enter into the Father's joy. I allow the Father's joy to be contagious in me and like caught up in the joy and the celebration that's in the Father's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of those is an individual grace and right. something we can seek and knock and ask for more of from God. Yeah. So if you're like, yeah, I don't know if I really experienced that part, if I really enter into those inv- those parts of repentance— Great. We can seek and knock and ask God for each and every one of those moments. And our repentance will be much deeper and much more comprehensive and more fruitful. Yeah. And I almost feel like maybe at the end of confession, like standing outside the door should be a big party waiting for you. That's right. right. (laughs) Some some noisemakers, some streamers. I don't know. Just to be like, this is the joy. Embrace it. Maybe I can be back some other time. But even in the the ritual book for Mm -hmm. the rite of reconciliation, most of us, our experience of walking into confession, however often we do, it's a pretty abbreviated experience from what the ritual actually of the church envisions. Okay. Like with the declaration of the word of God. And it's actually after absolution, there's this moment where the penitent and the priest are meant to enter into like this praise and thanksgiving to God. Uh, Is is that like when you do a um, uh, community confession where... A lot of times mm-hmm. churches do that. Is that similar? Uh, or is this yeah. Com- so something some of those elements different? that are yeah. supposed to be part of every, that can be, they're all optional. So right. when you go to, if you're not experiencing like these things in your confession, penance. it's not wrong. Right. Uh, but the full expression of the sacrament does involve those elements people would be more wow. familiar with in a communal celebration yeah. of penance. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. We ran out of time really fast. Ah. And <laughs> I knew we would, but that's such good stuff. Um, and I'm really glad you came in to tell us about it because it opened up, like it, it just made that feel so much different to me, repentance and confession even. So awesome! thanks for doing that, Father Scott. Great to be here. Thanks so much, right. Renee. Thanks. Uh, if you haven't already found us on social media, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at SF Diocese. And of course, visit us anytime at sfcatholic.org to find out what's going on in the diocese um, and uh, sometimes too what the bishop's up to, which is always fun to see. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views. Oh, 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 oh,